0: Welcome to the Am I Called podcast. Am I Called is a ministry that exists to help men find their call and to help pastors find called men. For more information and resources, visit amicalled.com. Now, here's your host, Dave Harvey. Good morning, folks. Summer has landed with a thud here in Tallahassee, Florida, as uh, the mid 90s become the temperature mark for the next two or three months. And this is the Am I Called podcast, and I'm your host, Dave Harvey. I first met Rick Denham at the Gospel Coalition Conference, I, I think it was about uh, six years ago. Rick is the president of Fiel Publishing, and, and, and that's the largest reform publishing ministry in Brazil. And Rick has been in the United States just finishing up a, a, an internship at Capitol Hill Baptist, home of Mark Dever and, and Nine Mark's ministry. But Rick and I became acquainted when he invited me to Brazil to join D.A. Carson and Mike Horton in conducting a couple leaders' conferences down there, which we did in 2013. But while we were there, Rick told me the fascinating story of his conversion and a somewhat remarkable story of how God built Fiel Publishing. So Rick, it's great to have you with us today.
1: Well, thank you, Dave. It's it's great to talk to you again and, uh, and to be able to contribute with what you're doing.
0: Thank you. Now, Rick, before we even jump into your story, um, you know, you finished the internship up at Capitol Hill Baptist. You know, why don't you give us a highlight of your time there?
1: Well, it's it's been really exciting to be part of what they're doing and what Nine Marks is doing. And uh, CHBC has been inviting uh, people from around the world to come and, and basically land here in Washington and really have an inside look at the local church and uh, as part of that, we probably have to read around 10,000 pages. So it's one of those things that uh, ends up being really time-consuming, and it's quite a quite a challenge to be able actually to sit down and stop what you've been doing and really stop and listen and look at where the church has been historically, where where it went throughout the last 500 years, and where we're at today, and and what if anything what needs to change as far as really returning to uh, Really, the Bible as our really our source to, to just show us really what what, what how we should uh, build our churches. So for me, it was it was a fantastic experience.
0: Yeah, that now that's interesting because you're Rick. You're not a pastor, but you took off a considerable amount of time from leading a, a major publishing company, working into every Portuguese speaking country in the world. Now, why did you do that?
1: Well, because. I felt like a lot of us who uh, are are in business or a lot of us who sometimes are are running organizations and uh, many times we forget about really what the church is all all supposed to be from a biblical standpoint. And what really impressed me really, Dave, is that when I got here, I know we had published the book Nine Marks. So I expected the internship to be uh, like, here, we'll read the book, we'll discuss the book, we'll talk about all our books. And I was quite surprised to find out that I didn't have to read Nine Marks only until the last month of the internship and and I was reading so many other things that had been printed maybe a, hundreds of years ago uh old documents uh, historical documents and so after reading so many things I thought wow when are we going to get to Nine Marks and when I finally read the book Nine Marks, which I had never read, even as a publisher, surprisingly, um, our, our editors had, had picked these books, and, and, and based on my relationships, I, I, I believed in what they were doing as a church. But, but actually, when I stopped to read the book, I thought, wow, there's nothing that he has written in this book that I probably could, couldn't write right now. I thought everything I've seen and learned about the church are things that I actually could write if I was a writer. So there's nothing new in this book. So I actually sort of chuckled and I thought, wow, so, so these, are, these things in this book aren't really Mark's ideas at all. These are things that the church has historically been doing. These marks, and, and a lot of which was forgotten. So that really impressed me, and as and, and and made me so thankful that I could actually really get back to some of these basic principles of, for example, conversion, and that's something that the church has to be really made up with as people that are Christians. So that's just an example.
0: Yeah, I, it, uh, it 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 reminds me of a. Of a Sproul quote, quote where he and, and I'm going to bludgeon this quote. I know, but he said something to the effect of uh, that e- every Christian is a is a theologian. The only question is whether you're going to be a good one or a bad one. And uh, it's it, one of the things I appreciate about what they're doing with you. And it sounds like other leaders that they're bringing in is they're they're recognizing that every leader of a publishing company is a is a theologian. Every leader of a of a parachurch ministry, every leader of a business who's a Christian, you know that uh, that the the world is for Christians is is driven by theology, and so they want to invest in that uh, in that part of your life.
1: And many of us, Dave, we're so busy running our organizations, doing all of our our building ministry and building work, that we don't stop to really uh, read and actually and, and see what God would have. Uh, for us in what we read, and and part of that process is writing a paper almost every day, uh, not just about what we're reading, but how that impacts our lives and what we're thinking, and that really is a humbling experience, and it leads you sometimes to tears when you read Charles Bridges and what he went through as a in the 18th century and 19th century there, where in England, uh, just the the office of ministry, uh, your calling, and what you write about, just that. It's the most awesome call to be involved in Christian ministry, and and today that's taken so lightly. And so, and you write and talk a lot about that, and just how huge that is, really the, the calling. And and I appreciated the internship for for that fact of that reflection that we're really looking at even these things as much as our call. Now,
0: Rick, when you and I were uh, driving to the airport, I think it was we were we were traveling up to Fortaleza. And uh, you told me what I thought was a remarkable story about how you became embedded in the contemporary Christian music industry, and you were, you were a new believer, um, but you found yourself in the middle of something that was, that was growing, and you, you kind of caught a wave. Why don't you just tell our listeners about that? Tell that story. <laughs>
1: Yeah like most missionary kids you know when you come of age of 17 you 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 believed everything your parents taught you as a as a child as a young man but you really haven't really uh taken Christ uh, really as your own as your as as really your, the gospel as your own you you're just sort of uh trying to find your own way in a way and and we I came to the United States and I went to college and in, in, in that time here in the United States, um, uh, I actually uh, was playing soccer at a, at a Christian university. And, and uh, because of eligibility for soccer, I had some time where I needed to uh, to not take classes. And so the school hired me to recruit for them. And that led me to traveling around in the Virginia area where my car broke down. And as God would use it, I ended up staying in the dorm with the guys from DC Talk. And I met toby michael and kevin and and kept in touch with them after that visit there and and uh, when they moved to nashville uh, they 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 mentioned to me why don 't you uh, come and work with us and They were just starting with uh, the Garmo and Key at the time and got asked to do a michael W Smith tour and A, a missionary kid loves to travel there 's something about us is that we love seeing the world and and so, rather than finishing my last semester of college, I went on tour it was i think it was over a fifty city tour and so one tour led to another I, I think I just loved the people i loved the the seeing the the world and 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 then eventually building a business inside the c c m uh, business and in fact, just the other day, I got to visit with toby mack um who you know started d c talk and he was up at creation. And just to, I, I told him, the, the influence that DC Talk and being in Nashville there had in my life is huge. But just in looking back at those years, which were 15 years of touring and doing concerts, I mean, hundreds of concerts, Dave. And in that lifestyle of being gone, basically Wednesdays through Sundays and rolling into Nashville, while, while we would even bring pastors on the road with us, I was really starved of really understanding what a local church was and when we when we made it to local churches in Nashville we we worked in the entertainment business and that's the last thing I really wanted to see on Sunday was that amazing solo or guitar riff I I really wanted to get to hear God's word expositionally taught where I really grew as a Christian but that just didn't happen and and there were so few churches really preaching expositionally and and so that that just really uh really kept me from really growing as a christian and so my my walk with god was just an up and down a constant up and down so while i while i was a christian and and i and i wanted to to live my life serving god and even doing merchandise that wasn 't a, a band centric it was more god centric yeah, yeah why don't you uh,
0: uh describe a little bit about the business that you started because that that'll help our listeners locate yeah. you uh, right. in the story
1: yeah what well what my my role it was uh, developing everything we sold other than the c d so uh, the Jesus Freak t-shirt or the Michael W. Smith Come Together or, or the Worship t-shirt or the Third Day shirt, Come Together and Worship on that tour. So I, I was always trying to utilize that platform uh, to be able to really build kingdom purposes. But but even then, uh, and, and many artists want to do that as well, but, but the lifestyle of the contemporary Christian artist and me, the, the contemporary Christian merchandiser, uh, really took me away from the local church and really kept me from growing. And so the transition after 15 years of doing that, I had really never been a member of a local church. Uh, so 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 we look at many people who we really love and who are sincere Christians, and we admire them. But it, it's especially hard for people that work for them to really be involved in, in a local church. And uh, that, that's one area that really hurt my life, and, uh, and, just, and it hurts a lot, a lot of other families. And divorce is pretty rampant among many people who work in the music business.
0: It seems like uh, since the, the business model for a lot of the CCEM is built around touring, it, it's, it's almost a, an industry that can, uh, for some, sentence them to immaturity, because there's little ability to be involved in local church, little pastoral care, hardly any accountability, and like you said, you you know they're they're touring all week, they're doing the Jesus thing all week, and so you know who wants to do that on Sunday? Did, did yeah, you,
1: it, it's a challenge.
0: Did you meet people who were who were really trying to commit themselves to these things, even though they were touring?
1: Yeah, I mean these people, like especially like Toby. Uh, Real Christian people. They really love the Lord and they really want to use that platform. It's just that in today's uh, business environment, touring is even more important when retail stores are not selling CDs. I mean, if you don't get out to see the fans and promote the music, it's going to hurt your sales. So it it's a it's a hard position to be in. People that want to exercise Christian ministry, want to use their God-given talents to glorify God, but yet at the same time, um some band members and and crew members, they might not be able to fly home in a leader jet or or be home to tuck their kids in at night. It, it's it's a challenge. And 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 I and I applaud artists I um, was just talking to Toby the other night. He he was saying this to me. He goes, Rick, one of the things I've learned the most is the importance of, uh, of me really committing myself to serving my family. I mean, because we realize immediately that our families suffer. And much more than our, 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 our physical family, our church family is mostly non-existent in, in many of the Christian circles. So anything we can do as, as, uh, as churches and pastors to really, um, really approach our, our Christian musicians and encourage them to do everything possible to be just like every other member. Not just like every other businessman we, we need to be we need to be fellowshipping together, worshiping together on Sunday, and investing in each other 's lives, not from celebrity to celebrity, but from Christian to christian and I think that that 's a conversation we need to have more in our churches,
0: yeah, in the last church that I was in, there was a uh, a group that was becoming more prominent, beginning to play at festivals and uh and was touring and one of the things I always appreciated about them is that. Though there were times that their uh, their ministry drew them away on a Sunday morning, they were very vigilant to, to, to narrow that down, and they were intent on remaining accountable to other believers, to having pastors talking to them, and uh, asking them hard questions about what they're doing and why they're doing it, and, and equally, if not more important, just providing care for their souls. So... I, I'm grateful, as you are for for folks like that that are in the industry, but are but are modeling a robust ecclesiology and the importance of pastoral care and uh, and things like that that are so important.
1: Yeah, and, and the same thing goes for even churches whose pastors are constantly gone speaking. I think it, it, there, needs to, there needs to be the, the same thing applying to the members as to the, as to the evangelist, as to the musician, as to the businessman. We're all in this together. We're all members of, of, of churches, or we should be. And we need to be accountable one to another and under the authority of the local church because it's for our good and God's glory. Yeah.
0: Let let me pick up on that Rick because you've you've lived as a Christian uh in Brazil, uh you've you've lived as a Christian in the United States. Um and so you've had two different experiences of of Christianity, two different experiences of church. Uh, how would you describe some of the differences among Christian leaders in Brazil in contrast to what you've been you know, connected with or, or what you've, who, who you've hosted from the United States?
1: Well, well, talking about the church around the world, that's something that I have the opportunity to see all the time. Uh, next month I'll be in Mozambique. I was in Portugal this year and, and of course, raised in Brazil. I mean, people always talk about the prosperity gospel, and part of that, those two words is gospel. What happens often in many of these countries is that that people um, will walk into a Christian church from a Catholic background or a an African uh, religion background, and they will hear the gospel and they will really fall in love with with who Jesus is, what he what he's done to reconcile us to God, and then they they walk away from these churches um, many times wanting to find where they can continue growing. And and in that process of wanting to grow, if the churches aren't churches where where the Bible is faithfully expositionally taught, where they become like you said, they become a, a kingdom of priests or people that actually are, are, are to know God's word. Um, what happens is they often bring in their syncretistic beliefs, and they start wearing in, in Africa these little bracelets that are to, to keep away the evil spirits. In Brazil, they'll they'll bring on instead of having to walk a mile on your knees to get to, to thank God for something or to get healing, you you have to give to the church and you've got to do all these things to get the blessings. So so usually things start off with the gospel but then unfortunately if the churches don't have expositional preaching and some of these uh, the basics of, of throughout the history of the church the importance of of, of knowing God's Word these churches often without discipleship they're, they're they, they easily lead to these false gospels. So I see that all over the world, and, and what, they, what they feel like they have to do is they feel like they have to attract people by putting in music, by putting in a show, by making the church uh, serve the poor. I mean, in Africa the other day, an African told me, he said this, he goes, the, the Christians, they give us food and clothing, but the, the, the Muslims, they give us jobs. So they said we we would rather the Muslims come and build their 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 uh, kind of church, you know, but th- we would we would want them rather than Christians, because because often people look at the church for what they're going to get, but that's not really the what, what 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 the Gospels about at all. What we get is nothing here on earth. What we get is a. a Fellowship with God that has been broken because of our sin and and I think so if a church uses uh, Something to make it attractive that's other than the gospel other than God's word They're gonna have to keep looking for the next uh, the next dog and pony show or the next thing to make their churches attractive So we see that all over the world that one consistent thing is that people tend to substitute the Bible for what they think will build their churches, and then they have church members who really aren't Christians often, and that's what I've 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 seen happening all over the world. So, it's really important.
0: Yeah. Now, a, a point of uh, discussion and uh, and debate here in the states, and I'm sure you're aware of this, is is the whole idea of the celebrity pastor, the celebrity leader, and and uh, you know, I know that would be prominent in in Africa. Um, but you know it's kind of a it's kind of a brand driven kind of leadership where you know the force of of gifting or the platform or the personality or the or or what they're publishing becomes a brand that has to be protected and and perpetuated right. um that's true, and even while their their church might be unraveling, so is that a is that a phenomenon in Brazil? Should we assume that that's a phenomenon anywhere? There's social media.
1: Well, I would I would say that anywhere, especially in today's world, where where people are lifted up, and they have books, they write, they sing songs, they become famous. They be the the human heart wants to make um, gods out of men. I remember even at DC Talk concert. We were in Australia or New Zealand, and someone held up a sign that said "Making gods out of men." That's rock and roll. Well, it's not just rock and roll. It can be the pulpit. I mean, people can make gods out of just anything or anybody. And and but 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 God has when He designed the church, He has set up some some really things to protect it from becoming these idol factories. And one of those is a plurality of leaders where, where one pastor isn't greater than the other. He just has a different gift. So, so the Bible talks a lot about different gifts that we have to serve the church, not to serve each other, but to serve his church. It's it's his church. And so uh, I think that as we fix the church and fix that, there is none greater than the other. The senior pastor is not greater than the lay pastor. They all work together according to their gifts. So some might be in the pay of the church and some might be in the pay of, of, a, of a corporation. But the difference is, is that they're all equal. So one thing I've, I've really, and you know this for, for knowing Mark, but he's the, one of the most humble leaders where, where people ask him, do you ever lose, uh, lose on a votes? And he goes, all the time. I mean, that will keep a pastor humble. That will keep uh, a famous author humble. That will keep people humble. The church is designed that way. And so when people get to the the right church, uh, it'll really straighten these kind of things out. That We see uh, corruption getting involved all over the world where you really have these God-men. That really tell people this is what God says you should do, and not the Bible.
0: Are there any ways that you, as a as a publishing leader or or other publishing leaders you're aware of, are there are there any ways that you're you're trying to help um, pastors who are writing avoid this?
1: Yeah, I think I think just be, just talking about God's design for the church and that God has designed the church not to be. Uh, not to be ruled by one man but but really um, be a group effort um, that that's what that's what we can do is because that that takes away the 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 tendency we have to elevate these men as gods just because they have a gift. Uh, we appreciate gifts, and God has given uh, pastors and authors amazing gifts, but they're not more important to the church than than many other gifts. The, the the gospel god's word that is the greatest gift which is jesus christ and his word and the voices of those gifts while we are thankful for them we appreciate what they write and say and preach uh, that really who gets all the glory is really uh lord the lord
0: hmm. well speaking of gifts rick I, I was there um in brazil on the night that they honored your father's memory at the at the fiel conference and uh and part of that that recollection, that reminiscence, that that commemoration of him was uh, was the starting and the growth of, of Fiel publishing. So why don't you tell a little bit of the story of how Fiel publishing started and then also just how did it go from, you know, a, a mom and pop operation uh, to being able to bring in, you know, John Piper and, and John MacArthur and Paul Washer and D. A. Carson and all those guys.
1: Well, it, it's it's humbling to see how God uses the most ordinary people, and uh, and my dad wasn't a rocket scientist; and he was just an English teacher in college, and and his great and his parents were missionaries in China, and in the 40s they were they had to leave uh, commun- China when it became communist, and they went and explored uh, South America where the gospel hadn't been preached, and in writing back letters to this uh, English uh, recently graduated English teacher. He really got a burden for for going and reaching these people, and so he, uh, after marrying my mother, sold her grand piano and all their possessions, and 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 put it on a boat and went to the Amazon with his parents. And so they pulled the little aluminum boat and and bought a a launch, a typical of what they would use on the Amazon River, and they would pull it up uh, to villages and and really teach in those villages and even used the Catholic Bible, which was the only translated Bible that they had there. And uh, they lived there 10 years in the Amazon. But in those 10 years of, of living in the Amazon, which during that period, my grandfather passed away, and my grandmother went on to work with the Indians, the YY Indians, translating the Bible there. And and But they they uh, realized that there was a huge need for Christian publishing. And, and when he was uh, doing it, doing that, that's when he started a magazine there in the, in the capital, of the Amazon. And and because of the lack of infrastructure for publishing, we had to move to Sao Paulo where, where that's what the Lord gave them uh, later five of their own children after adopting two girls uh, that were from the more remote areas. And uh, that's where Fiel Ministries or Fiel Publishing was born back in 1966. So that was a time where there, there was no Christian bookstores. I remember as a child um, going from town to town in a converted bus that had a, a, a large glass window where we would project moody bible institute films on creationism and different things and and we would sell books from the back of the bus so there weren't christian bookstores but there was sure a desire burning among uh, in the heart of a missionary couple to see that nation impacted with the gospel and and to see healthy churches built and and uh, and so they faithfully served in brazil now it's been i think almost uh, 50 years for that fiel has been publishing 2016 albeit will be 50 years uh, since uh, 1966, how did the
0: connection with the uh, American ministries come about?
1: Well, in the 1980s, uh, John MacArthur had written the book Our Sufficiency in Christ, and and that was causing a big uproar here in the United States. and And, and Dad, uh, having been impacted through books from Banner of Truth, and and really seeking to really get back to what the Bible was really saying about. Our faith and who is who is sufficient in our salvation. Really, he invited uh, Dr. MacArthur to come down, and who came down to Brazil in the early 90s, and this was while I was touring the world in the music business. So I had heard that Dad had 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 started a conference in in the late 80s, and and it had started to grow, and that MacArthur had been there, and and that that moved it from 50 people to 100, to then eventually to a thousand. And so the conference was starting to really grow. And then dad started the Adopt a Pastor project where we started adopting guys like like Compassion Adopts Children, where we get guys a three-year project to build a library for them. And today we have over six hundred guys getting a book a month for three years. And and so that's happening in Mozambique and Portugal, Angola, and many other Portuguese-speaking countries. So but the Lord had just really blessed dad's Vision of equipping leaders with sound books, and and here I was in the music business, really uh, helping the inter- the Christian entertainment grow, and and yet while it was it's great cause to really bring good messages through music, I felt like I had a great opera even greater opportunity to really impact the church, and that's why in, in 2004 I, I moved back to Brazil, and uh, and one thing the the music business uh, God really used, and I, I thank Toby for this, is that my experience working with him and, 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 and learning about social media and Facebook, and the music industry was one of the first really to utilize social media, way before companies and ministries, and so we were the first in Brazil to, st- to start really a ministry, to start using uh, social media, and today we have almost uh, you know, 750,000 people in our social media. So, it's exciting to see an article translated um, into the Portuguese language, and within a few minutes sometimes, having thousands of views and people reading this and sharing it, and, and that's really exciting. So, God is, is is giving me that chance.
0: Let me ask you a question here, because one of the things that intrigued me about your whole approach, that I, I that, you know, I'd seen this a little bit in Desiring God, but it wasn't as prominent here in the States, but you have you have a marketing model where you give away a lot of resources for free i mean and i 'm talking about books, not just messages um, and and you did that based upon an assumption that that would that that would really well first and primarily that would serve god 's people that would get the message out, um, but also that that would that would fuel book sales and that 's a really like counter counterintuitive approach to you know to marketing where did that where did that come from
1: well i think we have to first build build a market or or build healthy churches that that read and 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 get get christians uh, to or people that aren't christians really to know the gospel and so as a missionary that really comes from a missionary mindset that we're there to really to really create our market, so to say, for our books. And you can't really create a market for books unless you're sharing them. So unless you're telling people about the church and telling people about Jesus and God's plan for his church, yeah, there's no way you can really build a market. So so that's why when social media came about, it really created an opportunity through Facebook and YouTube where we could share resources and parts of resources and videos Videos from conferences and a little bit of everything to be able to build that market. That it's encouraging people on a day-to-day basis. But yet, when we have content from books, they will, they'll find out where to buy those books. So we're we're less concerned about just selling, but more concerned about just uh, really sharing the gospel and, and seeing yeah. lives impacted for God's glory.
0: Which creates an appetite then for uh, you know for the material that you're it does. offering.
1: Yeah, recently at the Gospel Coalition, I mean, we, we had an opportunity to, to, to with Nine Marks, to pr- promote the idea of these download cards. So we're, the idea is that you don't have to put a, a, a book free on the internet perpetually, which many people argue that that devaluates the book. And and I can say that if, if something is always free, people take it for granted. But yet, if if there's strategic ways where you can give away books, where there's limited codes for downloads, and you can really share that all around the world, um, things still keep their values, but yet people can be given a book. So I I like the idea of of people receiving things as gifts, whether it's at events or conferences, where they feel like it's a gift for them to use and to share, but yet they don't take it for granted.
0: Hmm. That's wonderful. Um,
1: Rick, I'm going to move to
0: finish up here, but why don't you just give us an idea of, of what happens once you return to Brazil and you leave the States? What what, what happens when you get back?
1: Yeah, well, uh, a part of a missionary's job is to work yourself out of a job. <laughs> and so it, it's. I'm excited to say that, that Fiel Ministries now um, is a ministry that has um, grown in beyond just publishing uh, the adopt the pastor ministry. We also now have online education, where we're partnering with academic institutions in America and in Brazil. Today, I found out we have over 4,500 people taking online courses, like systematic theology, Old Testament. So it's neat that this is all being run by Brazilians. So we've been able, as missionaries, to be the catalyst for change, but not where the missionary is pastoring those churches. So my dad's approach was a very humble one to raise up indigenous leaders around the world. So he was at field conferences and founding and starting churches, but he was never senior pastor and he was never the one up there teaching, but but really being the catalyst for change. And so that, I have a great model and and that's to build up leaders. And that means that I don't appear, other people do, and most of all, they see Christ and him glorified among all the nations. But it's it's really a missionary mindset that we, we're not there to do everything. We're there to transition things. So so while I don't do as much as I, as I used to, I'm able to be there on a supportive role, um, come up with ideas with them. Um, I'm excited to see that one of Brazil's uh, first systematic theologians is going to be getting a PhD here in the United States at a fantastic seminary, that they've even offered him a, a full scholarship there at Southern. So I can say that. That's just a very... Generous thing that they really see the future of of raising up these PhDs who are going to write more books, and so the partnerships. So, so that that's one thing I can say to, to Americans is how, how what does this mean to us here in the United States? I think that God is raising up other nations to really um, send missionaries and and start seminaries and and but what America can play a huge part in that, and that's in coming alongside them, holding the hand of the Brazilian guy. The African guy, the 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 European, the the Asian, and saying we will do this together. It's not the American that's going to do all this alone. It's we're going to hold hands with leaders and Christians from all over the world. Our institutions will partner. We will train together. We will learn from you and what God's doing in Africa, and that'll make us better Christians, more experienced, and better uh, sharers of uh, and trainers uh, as we work together for the for preparing for Christ's return. So I think that's my message to our North American friends is let's partner with these organizations, with these ministries like Fiel and other publishers in Brazil. There's some fantastic other publishers. I mentioned Vida Nova is is an excellent one that really producing great books uh, and training leaders. So as we think the North American church, let's look for churches to partner with, ministries to partner with all over the world, looking at these Christians who are coming out of there as people that have a lot to contribute to the spread of the gospel.
0: If you're listening and you're interested in uh, in Fiel Publishing or their Adopt a Pastor program, or if you're interested in in reaching into Brazil or Mozambique or Portugal, um, check out Fiel's website. There's a there's a ton of material. There's a, a Portuguese speaking site or a Portuguese written site and an English one as well. And you can check that out. Rick, Rick, thanks so much for joining us. But but thanks even more for your for your vision to get solid biblical teaching into the hands of believers as a way to help them grow
1: well it's a, it's a privilege for us to partner with you guys and and thank you for what all you have done and in, in investing I remember the book you have you have written on marriage uh, when sinners say I do and and how God has used that the amount of downloads that that book has received and and how people have, have many, written in many letters. God is really using these partnerships, and we give him the glory, and we're thankful for that.
0: As, yes, we are, Rick. Thank you. Well, this has been the Am I Called podcast, and I'm your host, Dave Harvey. And for more free stuff, um, articles and videos and stuff on leadership and pastoral ministry, also, also there are other podcasts with folks like Scotty Smith and Randy Alcorn and Thabiti and well, just a host of other folks as well. Just just visit amicalled.com. dot com and thanks for joining us.